0: On today's episode of the Yoga 360 Podcast.
1: And really, I think the takeaway here is that vinyasas, um, as a movement, as well as vinyasa as a practice, is about the mindfulness between postures and how it's just as important, if not more important, than the posture itself. Yeah.
0: This is the Yoga 360 Podcast.
1: We bring you knowledge, inspiration, and resources to help you live your best life.
0: We connect with students, teachers, and experts from the community to both educate and have fun conversations from the heart.
1: If you enjoy the benefits of yoga, value your health and well-being, and enjoy connecting with others, you're in the right place.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Yoga 360 Podcast. I'm Steve Cotton.
1: I'm Karen Eni.
0: Tonight, Karen and I are joined by our most... Absolute favorite guest, our returning champion, <laughs> Sarah Baldock.
2: Hello.
1: <laughs> yes, our most regular contributor, and we're very, very thankful.
0: <laughs> oh, this good. will be Sarah's fourth published episode. However, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually her sixth recorded episode oh, yeah, because <laughs> two, two of them I had to delete because they were just absolutely unlistenable. But we, but we redid them so. Thank you for your time, Sarah.
2: To be clear, they were unlistenable because of audio quality, not because of anything we said.
0: (laughs) Audio quality, yes. Technology failed us on that day.
1: Yeah, and so today we're going to be continuing a series, our all about class type series, and we're going to do all about vinyasa today. Um, so pretty excited about this because the training I just finished, in theory, qualifies me to teach vinyasa. Woohoo! And I will be teaching vinyasa 6 a.m. July 15th, so I'm sure I'll see everybody there. Super excited for it. <laughs>
0: yeah no promises (laughs) (laughs) even though it is my favorite class
1: um so we're going to be diving into sort of the what why how where of vinyasa yoga and uh sarah and i are going to be chatting about it and she's going to be you know fact checking me because she's a little bit more experienced than (laughs) i am
0: (laughs) okay so we'll start it off by asking you sarah why should somebody take a vinyasa class
2: Well, I guess it's kind of like, why take any yoga class? Um, You're just throwing it back at me. (laughs) Why vinyasa specifically? Um, Especially if you're coming from a, you know, a Bikram practice or a, a more longer hold practice or a hatha practice vinyasa moves a little more i have always found that there is more breath focus i found after i started practicing vinyasa for example i heard the cueing for breathing better in bikram it was something that i mean obviously the bikram dialogue is very specific so obviously it's in there but for some reason i never really heard especially like from the forward folds like inhale as you come up exhale as you (laughs) fold forward whereas after starting vinyasa it's like oh
1: yeah i did the exact same thing the more you practice vinyasa i found myself more cognizant of my breath in all my other types of practices honestly and even Mm -hmm. when i'm off the mat like if i'm doing something a little more um aerobic off my mat i come back to the lessons i've learned on my mat in a vinyasa class yeah yeah so what is vinyasa sarah
2: (laughs) vinyasa is a is a practice of it's a yoga practice, an asana practice, where you will be moving from posture to posture pretty fluidly. Again, using the breath as sort of a a mode of transport, if you will. I mean, sometimes I don't want to say like powering you through, because so that makes it sound a little more aggressive than maybe the class is going to be, but it helps move you from posture to posture. You use your breath to help move you from posture to posture. It'll be flowing a lot. You'll see a lot of sun salutations, okay. uh, whether A, B, C. um <laughs> My I don't life. know if there's more beyond that. <laughs> <Ooh>. EFG, <laughs> moon salutations. Yeah, but
0: but, uh, let's not talk about Sun B. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> Everybody's favorite. <laughs> because that includes chair poses. Yeah.
0: But uh, moon salutations, I really enjoy those. Yeah. Me too,
2: yeah. I think moon salutations are a little less common mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, practices. Um, but the sun salutations and the general sort of flow of a sun salutation becomes pretty ubiquitous regardless of who's teaching, regardless of where they're going in the in the class and yeah i mean it it moves a little quicker it moves a little more i find it a slightly upper body stronger practice Mm -hmm. than a lot of hatha than a lot of bikram because you're you're using you're going from plank to chaturanga which is you know half plank low plank and (laughs) and then all the way back up to up dog down dog so you're using your upper body a lot more so it's A little more strong in that way.
1: Yeah, and we will elaborate on some of these Mm -hmm. postures and what a salutation is later in the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk a lot on this episode about how we are not experts in Sanskrit, but do you know the Sanskrit definition of vinyasa? (laughs) She's reaching into the recesses of her brain, and I had to Google it. Placing
2: with care comes to mind.
1: Yeah, and I saw place in a special way. Yeah, Um, A slightly different one that I saw that I liked was variation within parameters interesting Um, and I think that brings me to
2: it's very mathy
1: right and when we use the word vinyasa it can actually refer to two different things so if I'm saying vinyasa I could either be referring to a class type which Mm -hmm. um, we might also call a flow class or maybe even a power class depending on who's teaching it yeah (laughs) Candice because (laughs) Because Candice cough cough (laughs) Candice yes Uh, but vinyasa can also just refer to a series of movements between postures yeah basically and usually or i will say often mm-hmm. that would be um going from you know plank to chaturanga to up dog to down dog and yeah. it just carries you from one end of the mat to the other and sets us uh, for of realigns your body to get ready yeah. for the next
2: kim often calls it like a palate cleanser yeah. right like you know yeah. which is a nice way of putting through it but you know kind of putting that into mind of it is a palate cleanser, but it also generates heat in the body. So I often call it like it's a palate cleanser, sure, but it's also like adding spice.
1: Absolutely, you don't
2: have to add all the chili peppers if you don't want to.
1: <laughs> no, and you can modify it. Yep. If um, you know, like you can practice it with your on your knees mm-hmm. if that's better for you. Um, but I've I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that you guys go through this, and our listeners do as well. Wherein you want different things out of your practice a lot. And lately for me, um, my vinyasas, my chaturangas, etc. I really like them for bringing some equilibrium back to my body. So if I'm doing warrior two or triangle or something like that, and you know, it's an extended or like um, external hip rotation. Um, my body's a little crooked. I love doing a bunch of postures in a row where everything is just equal and straight because I think it sets me back on a um, balanced, correct path. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what it does. It sort of resets you between and you get that moment and that breath, especially in, in something like down dog where the questionable, is it a resting? Is it not a resting (laughs) posture compared to probably what you just did? Sure. It must be a resting posture, but it it does sort of lengthen and stretch kind of everything out, you know, especially along the backside Mm -hmm. of your body. Um, between going, yeah, like you say, strong warriors and, and triangles on one side before you do it all again on the on the other. Yeah, and
1: as we were talking about before recording, um, different balancing postures, and pointed out that. Downward dog, as far as your body is concerned, is not a lot different from a headstand or a handstand. No. There's extension in the back and the spine. There's strength in the midline and the core. There's strength mm-hmm. in the shoulders and the arms. Yeah. The benefits you get from a headstand or a handstand. I
2: mean, I just taught a blast class with the, an option for push-ups in down dog. And that yeah. is certainly not a restful <laughs> <laughs> exercise. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, so down dog is... You know, and I know we've talked about down dog before. I mean, it is a resting posture in the flow of a class compared to a lot of, you know, if you just did like warrior two to reverse warrior to extended side angle to bind to, you know, add a few more in there, like doing your cycle, doing that, that flow into down dog and taking that breath and that restretch. In between, kind of, I don't know how to do it without body
1: movement. <laughs> Sarah's making. I'm body a hand
2: talker. <laughs> yeah,
1: we will do video episodes one day. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And total tangent, but I learned something fun on Wikipedia when I was Googling just before we recorded Ooh. this episode. Um, so the point I want to make is that from tradition to tradition, your vinyasa practice will be a little different. Your flows will be a little different. Um, and one of the origins of them was from um, Krishmacharya, uh, one of the grandfathers of yoga, shall we say? hmm um, supposedly, found vinyasa's transitions in a document that doesn't exist anymore uh, that was written 5,000 years ago by a Vamana Rish, Rishi, um, and he taught it to Patabi Joyce. And apparently, the reason we don't have that document anymore is it was destroyed by ants.
0: That's rather specific.
1: Right?
2: Yeah. And
1: those are some angry ants.
2: Yeah. yeah sure. It's interesting that they know that it was destroyed by ants.
1: So specific, yeah. 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 So perhaps further research needed this might be a seed planting for a future episode because Mm -hmm. um, we are hopefully going to be bringing on um, a local yoga teacher who knows a lot about the history of yoga and sanskrit and all that good stuff and we're very excited to hopefully have him soon so good keep listening (laughs) Yeah, and another thing that I learned that I want to point out is so, Patabi Joyce, who was a student of Krishna Macharya and sure, we'll say another grandfather of yoga, that the way that Joyce practiced yoga is the way that a lot of us will recognize yoga. So, Joyce actually said, uh, referred to vinyasas in a narrower sense and said that they mean, quote, the repetitious linking movements between the asanas of Ashtanga vinyasa yoga. Mm. Which is another interesting concept, and really, I think the takeaway here is that vinyasa's um, as a movement as well as vinyasa as a practice is about the mindfulness between postures and how it's just as important if not more important than the posture itself
2: yeah which i think links back to the breath work right Absolutely. and because that's <clears throat> that's the linking factor in in yoga in general it's the linking factor, but in in vinyasa specifically, i find it's it's a much more prominent linking factor from movement to movement
0: so who should take a vinyasa class
1: <laughs>
2: anyone um <laughs> and let's put it this
1: way are there people who should be mindful or maybe avoid a vinyasa practice
2: i've spoken with people like if you're feeling if inverting yourself causes problems um
1: so blood pressure glaucoma
2: vertigo Mm-hmm. potentially even concussions depending on how bad like Absolutely. just think about like you know the up and the down and the up and the down i've had i had one of my fellow students when i was doing my training she felt that when she was pregnant doing vinyasa was a bad idea um just again because of the inversions um and it might have a weird effect on pregnancy but that's I don't know about that. Um, that would be something to speak with your doctor about for sure.
1: Yeah, an interesting tangent. But mm-hmm. one of the people who led my training spoke a lot about how when she was pregnant, she loved inversions, and she was in like her seventh month doing yeah. handstands. And her father, who is a physician, was like, "Maybe don't." <laughs> um, but she said to her, "They felt good in her body, so she did them." Yeah. Uh, we also had a student in my training who was pregnant, um, and she really liked some of the the inversions. She was safer about them, but she. Had had a lot of down dog and it yeah. felt great
2: in her body well and I, and I think vinyasa because of the the core work in it even if you're modifying and not necessarily doing down dog and you're coming down to hands and knees and maybe adding a cat cow um instead of the up dog down dog and moving back into a different posture for rest if you define the down dog too much of an inversion mm-hmm. i think there's still benefits to be had it's just yeah know your body talk to your doctor and speak to the teacher about alternatives to, to things that are maybe not working for you.
1: Yeah, which on that note, vinyasa is a practice that I am um careful or mindful about Mm -hmm. with my injury especially if I'm having sort of a bad cycle pain wise and I feel like my injury combined with my um, natural flexibility sometimes vinyasa isn't the best mix because I'm not being careful enough through things like vinyasas Um, so this advice that Sarah actually gave me months and months and months ago uh, if I don't feel like I can do a vinyasa instead I will do a cat cow
2: but do you remember what you said to me? Not specifically. I remember I remember talking about like because you can, you know, do that and you still get like a good you can still get a good back bend yeah. in your cow and then, you know, need the counter rounding with the cat, um, and moving into child's pose. If you're pressing down through your hands, right, you'll still get a nice stretch through your side body. So you, you still get a little bit of that same feel of the down dog.
1: Yeah, and I think I don't remember verbatim what you said, but it was something along the lines of you know as long as you're doing it mindfully and engaging because mm-hmm. you can do cat cow in a restorative way or you can engage all your muscles and hug into the midline and wrap your triceps and and really get a lot of strength out of even cat cow um so there are oh, ways uh, for you yeah because that
2: protraction retraction exactly. of the shoulders like exactly I've, using your rhomboids yeah. you can you can do what are called <laughs> super push-ups which are <laughs> staying in plank and just you know rounding your shoulders all the way up and then coming back down to to flat so your arms are straight the whole. yeah time. your arms are straight the whole time yeah just different shoulder work so i mean you can do the same thing in a tabletop position and you still get a lot out of it
1: yeah so i think that's all to say that even if you're injured and vinyasa doesn't feel like the best practice for you with some modifications might be a really great opportunity to um strengthen your body mm-hmm. yeah uh let's get into the meat of it though so so what is a vinyasa class? What are you going to find in a vinyasa class? Um, yeah, let's, Who's let's teaching? Talk, right, yeah. Okay, let's do this. Let's talk about sun salutations
2: first. Okay, yeah. Sun salutations you'll definitely find in all of your vinyasa classes, um, whether it's A, B, C, X, Y, Z. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make them up if they aren't. <laughs> We're going to have a sun salutation Z one day. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Uh, but the the meat the main portion of our stem salutation
1: or in sanskrit
2: would be surya namaskar a exactly you'll inhale reach your arms up exhale fold all the way forward inhale lengthen through your spine lengthen into your legs halfway lift exhale your hands to the floor come into your plank lower yourself halfway or all the way (laughs) your chaturanga Inhale, press, chest up, shoulders back, thighs up, down dog. Exhale, press back, sorry, up dog, press back, down dog. There you go.
1: Yeah, and then at the bottom of your exhale, back to the top of your mat. Yep. Inhale, halfway lift. Exhale, forward fold. Inhale, inhale. to stand. Rise all
2: the way up. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a good point to talk about the breath because, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it seems arbitrary sometimes when we say, say things like inhale, halfway lift, Exhale forward fold. But there's a method to the madness. Do mm-hmm. so you want to talk about the method to that madness?
2: Well, as someone who used to practice just bikram and clearly never heard the breathing cues. <laughs> <laughs> and used or to, never just
0: paid attention to them, right?
2: We're just waiting for change, right? Like yeah. that's all i was saying, uh, Blah 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 blah. Change. Um, <laughs> but obviously not hearing enough of the breathing cues, especially in, in folding forward to rising back up. I would get super lightheaded Mm -hmm. and get so dizzy Mm -hmm. and I mean low blood pressure low blood sugar levels included in all of that but not breathing properly yeah I am seeing stars on my way up and it is a refocusing tool and it's a huge tool in keeping your body calm and your brain calm and your circulation calm and (laughs) breathing is just very important
1: And I think what fascinated me is it's also on a muscular level. So, you know, you guys listening along, even if you're driving, take a really big inhale. And as you inhale, try to uh, fold forward like you would in a forward folding posture. Now come back up and take a really big exhale, like your biggest exhale you can. You're hugging your belly button back into your spine and... Try and fold forward again and notice how you're already rounding a little bit. It really helps you because when you exhale, your core muscles engage. It's Mm -hmm. automatic. And so um, this is why when, you know, even if you're coming into an active twisting posture in any practice that I know of, the exhale helps. It helps
2: so much. (laughs) Well, and it's inhale, lengthen, and exhale, twist, right? So that you create a little more space in yourself to twist.
1: Yeah, so so there is a method to the madness. Exhaling helps to engage your, your core muscles uh, and gives you a little more space and keeps you a little safer. And mm-hmm. inhale gives you more... Um, the different kind of space so yeah you're when you inhale you're going to have lots of opening in your body lots mm-hmm. of room lots of rooms so when we say inhale and exhale there's a reason uh, and if you ever want to I don't want to say mess your mind up but it's it's an interesting way to practice you know if yeah. you practice cat cow opposite so which you, we do sometimes, sometimes. on purpose. Yeah. on purpose yeah so try inhaling while you round your spine and try exhaling when you relax your belly and you're going to find it builds a lot more heat Mm -hmm. um and it sort of sets your brain on fire a little too yeah
2: Yeah. i remember in when we were doing practicing sun salutations in my training um one of the instructors one day decided to make us do the reverse breath Mm -hmm. so weird and also i think i just couldn't it took so much more brain power, actually, because it felt <laughs> wrong Um after...
0: Can you describe the uh, reverse breath?
2: So instead of inhale, lift up, it's exhale, lift up, inhale, forward fold. So just the opposite. Just that. the opposite, yeah. right? Which, I mean, it might not seem odd. Like, if you didn't think about your breathing at all and you just did all the things, but, like, when you're thinking about it, when you're used to doing it a certain way, yeah, reversing it, you're like... You know, inhale, forward, fold is really weird. Mm-hmm. Exhale, halfway lift is really weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Now, I probably find myself in a situation like that some of the times because I, I could probably find myself getting ahead of the, the breathing cues in the mm-hmm. vinyasa class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is that something I want to try to avoid and, like, stay w- stay with it with the pace of the instructor?
2: I would say generally most teachers would appreciate if you stayed with us. Yeah. <laughs> well
1: and you would probably appreciate it yourself. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Like for instance, I know that I have a I would say like a longer exhale than mm. than some of the instructors here yeah. in the studio. So so mm. that's where I get kinda off pace a bit.
2: Well, that's fair. It's I think I think generally inhales and exhales it's about what, four or five seconds is sort of the the median um, for most people, uh, I know actually a lot of people, it's a lot shorter and mm-hmm. should be longer. But, mm-hmm. yeah, when you have a better lung capacity, yeah, you can exhale for a really long time.
0: Because mm-hmm. sometimes, for instance, like if we're holding something and the cue is to hold it for five breaths, sometimes uh, for me is like maybe three.
2: Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's just that it, it's sort of like the the six-inch thing. As a cue, right? Like six inches between your feet, knees, hands, whatever it's, that's a median distance as a rule of thumb when it's supposed to be really like hip width Mm -hmm. or shoulder width. I mean, Mm -hmm. and depending on your body structure, your hip width might be smaller or might be bigger, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a, yeah,
1: it's a jumping off point Mm -hmm. and it's a cue. We're speaking to the average body that doesn't exist. Yeah. A lot. Um, yeah, and I think we should talk a little bit, too, about how the breath work in vinyasa differs from yin, mm-hmm. uh, because this is something I get really passionate about. So uh, in the yin practice, we talk a lot about breathing into your belly. So let your belly expand as you inhale, let your, uh, you know, relax your body as you exhale. But in vinyasa, it's very different. So how, yeah. how do you encourage people to breathe in vinyasa?
2: Usually start with the the ujjay breath cueing, and ujjay is more upper thoracic, chest, like ribs, <laughs> <laughs> um, that that upper area versus the lower portion of your lungs and deep into your belly, um, and you know ujjay breath, often called ocean breathing, literal translation translation excuse me victorious breath which is always yes. fun to throw out there preparing you for victory for your class <laughs> <laughs> right <Yep. laughs> um whatever that may mean <laughs> for you in your class uh but it's it is a warming breath it is an audible breath and it is a helpful breathing type as well because it is audible it helps to remind you to breathe but it is a because it's more upper, it is a little shorter. I think time for your inhales and exhales because you're not drawing deep mm-hmm. down, you're drawing a little bit more out wide, mm-hmm. so it might naturally be a shorter breath um, than your, especially in yin. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's absolutely more heating as well uh, when you do this, uh, so it does help to build heat in your body uh, and. Sun salutations or vinyasa also help to build heat in your Mm -hmm. body. So really, in your vinyasa practice, you have a ton of control over, as Sarah would say, how spicy it is. Um, You know, you can skip vinyasas. You can add them. You can – I often do this in my practice. If I find myself getting too um, worked up, for lack of a better term, I will – if I find myself getting too worked up for lack of a better term, I will start to let go of the ujjayi breath a little bit, maybe direct my inhales a little lower and make Mm -hmm. my exhales a little longer to help calm my nervous system a bit. Yeah. So your breath, and uh, how many vinyasas you do will really inform the intensity of your practice. And that's a choice that you have complete control over that really won't detract from the rest of the class.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I had when I was doing a lot of demoing initially, you know, kind of saying like, oh, like you, you had this many sun salutations. And I kind of looked at her and said, I said they were all optional. <laughs> you didn't have to take them all. Throw it back at her. That's right. right, Put it back
0: on the practitioner.
2: Right? (laughs) I said it was a choice, my friend.
0: Is is that why you all say suffering is optional?
2: It is. (laughs)
1: Well, or, you know, if people say, oh, like, oh, that teacher killed me today. It's like, did they or did you do it to yourself?
2: I offered you an array of things you chose how many chili peppers to throw on the plate
0: (laughs) sometimes i actually think though that suffering is a baseline
2: (laughs) (laughs) like i said depends on who's teaching (laughs) my 6 a.m is very different than candace's 8 (laughs) p.m
1: yeah and and just to elaborate candace has been teaching the 8 a.m wednesday night vinyasa classes at our studio pretty much every single mm-hmm. week for years um, so there's a large group that comes to that class every single week and are really strong and advanced in their practice it doesn't mean it's not welcome to newcomers in fact we love newcomers in that class mm-hmm. uh, and it's great for them because they can stare at people like Steven or some of our stronger uh, practitioners who have done it for a long time and see um, what they're supposed to be doing and follow them because vinyasa can be difficult to keep up with, especially mm-hmm. coming from a hatha background or a bikram background where there's a little more time in each
2: posture. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, especially that I'm doing my to this properly. So.
2: <laughs> oh, not adding an extra push up or still adding the extra push up?
0: <laughs> uh, not adding the extra push up. I'm taking a break from
2: that. So. <laughs> Suffering is optional.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I want to call out that I modify currently 90% of my sun salutations. When I come down uh, in Chaturanga, my knees are on the ground. I do a baby cobra instead of up dog, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm still getting a ton of strengthening. In fact, I would argue I'm getting more strengthening than some people are in a full Chaturanga, which the difference is... um, When I do a modified chaturanga, I lower myself all the way to the ground. In a full chaturanga, your knees are off the ground, and you are hovering. Um, Your elbows and your forearms come parallel to your Mm ribcage, and you hover there before moving to upward facing dog. The issue is that a lot of people in this posture, uh, and you can speak better to this, but I think a lot of people in this posture sort of rush through it and mm. don't get the strength aspect. But with yeah. me lowering all the way down, I go slow.
2: Yeah, <laughs> And Chaturanga is one of those things that as a teacher, you watch a lot of people want to do.
1: Which we love. Right? Yeah.
2: And struggle through in in awkward ways. There's a lot of, you know bordering on trying to do the worm um, into your up dog there's you know butt in the air chest on the floor Um, there's non-existent just pushing all the way up into more like a seal versus up dog because thighs are still down but I sent you a video about the varying ways to chaturanga and I think we tried to recreate it. I don't know how successful I was with some of them. Yeah, but I'm literally... We need
1: to see this video. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm literally just opening
0: our TikTok there's, on the iPad here. We, need, we
2: needed we you for it. that. You know, there's the alpha male chaturanga, adding a couple extra push-ups. Oh, I got that one. <laughs> I'm your guy. There's the, uh, yeah, like I say, like kind of like the non-existent chaturanga, where you sort of flow all the way into up-dog or, you know, your variation with the legs on the ground, which is maybe more sealed than up-dog and... I mean, chaturanga is not a—it's not an easy thing to do. Like that hovering, that hold. It's—I mean—I spent years, years modified before being able to have just my hands and my toes on the floor, because mm-hmm. the little translation I think is like. I just looked at it the other day, something staff pose like it's yeah, the Chaturanga Dandanarasana like it's, it's supposed to be just those little four points of contact on the mm. floor and and
1: when we say four points of contact, like, this isn't just your hand flopped on the ground. This is with, like, engaged fingertips pressing mm-hmm. into the mat. And this is, like, the palms of your hands are not touching. You are strong.
2: Yeah. And then just your toes. And, yeah. yeah. And I mean, even
1: now, do you do every vinyasa unmodified or do you throw no. in some modified ones?
2: I'll throw in modified, especially when I'm teaching mm-hmm. um, because... You know, I could wear myself out if I did all of them, and then I can't talk anymore. Um, But also, I think it's important as a teacher to demonstrate not just the full extent of my flexibility and the full extent of my strength, because this is not about me. This is not about, you know, look how many chaturangas I can do. Look how fast I can flow through this class. It's, you know, it's important to... Have the modifications available for people who are new to see like there are steps, there are levels. It's not just all or nothing into into whatever posture.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. and there is benefit to the modifications. Yeah, and I think the thing that um,
2: especially in a class that moves so fast, I absolutely. think it's nice to to. Yeah.
1: And I think there's something that we as teachers, as instructors need to remember is that there's a confirmation bias in yoga in that if you aren't fit and naturally flexible and naturally I don't want to say good at yoga because I, I hate that phrase, but if you're not good at yoga, you're not going to go to teacher training mm-hmm. and you're not going to do it in the first place. right? Yeah. And, and so what comes really naturally to you um, is going to be inaccessible to three quarters of your class always.
2: Well, and I think as well, you see a lot of really very successful yoga instructors. One of the things that I think is very common among them, especially in the online social media world is look at the anatomy of these mm-hmm. people. There is a very similar anatomy. There's a long limb situation happening, <laughs> yep. you know, um, which is always entertaining. We have very, we have a plethora of very petite, um, not terribly tall teachers here who are, you know, wonderfully mobile, flexible, strong, strong teachers. But you know, remember. A couple of teachers that I've seen over the years that just look like they float, you know, like yeah. floating from posture to posture. And
1: when you say walk, step, or jump to the yeah, top of the mat, they, they hover, float. And float for a minute. Yeah, it's
2: but it's insane. like their arms are also really long. Like mm-hmm. I can't float the same way because yeah, so they're the, able to do that. The proportion of it's my body to my arms and my legs, you know, like my feet are gonna knock to the floor before I can, you know, float. <laughs> Yeah. With my feet at my hands. Like. And, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's the other thing, too, is that recognition of anatomy in your practice. And, like, yeah, sometimes you modify or you need blocks or you need whatever because your anatomy is like, by the way, we're not getting there.
0: So, to bring us back and kind of tie all that together, um, <laughs> it, it seems like God Vinyasa is a really accessible style of class where uh where you're able to uh, to really personalize the practice for yourself right
1: yeah there's a lot of opportunity to make the intensity suit your body for that day and that moment and that you know point in your class
2: yeah i mean just even you know like we had mentioned before like from one teacher to another from one time of day to another from you know it can be very different while still having some very similar components from class to class
1: Yeah, and I think that kind of brings us to when you see the word vinyasa on our schedule, you might see that at other studios. You might see the word flow at other studios. You might see power at other studios. Maybe gentle flow. And they all sort of fall under the same umbrella. Uh, When you head into those classes, you're always going to get a sun salutation or surya namaskar A or B. Um, You're always going to get those. You're always going to be moving intentionally with your breath. The difference sort of is that in a power class, you know, there's going to be some more planks, there's going to be some more core engagement, Um,
2: more boats, longer chairs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, In a gentle flow class, there might be fewer sun salutations, there might be um, shorter holds, there might be fewer postures strung together. Uh, There's a bunch of different ways that it is a more gentle class Um, but even if you walk into a power class and the teacher is saying do five sun salutations in a row which does happen um, you might choose to do one full on and you might choose to do three modified and you might choose to do child's pose for the last one and that's okay Yeah,
2: yeah exactly
1: so you can suit it to yourself so let's talk a little bit about how vinyasa classes are structured do you want to touch on that, Sarah?
2: Well, I know how I structure my classes. Um, <laughs> there,
1: there's a concept we talk about a lot, which is called a peak pose. Mm.
2: It's kind of interesting, I guess, depending even for myself on time of day, um, you know, how early I'm teaching, you know, mentioned 6 a.m.s. I find for 6 a.m.s. I almost never teach to a peak pose. I work more towards balance between little movements and waking up. Everything from, you know, maybe do some toe breakers and shoulder flossing mm-hmm. to, yeah, getting into your warriors and some sun salutations and maybe a couple of sun cell bees and a little mm-hmm. bit of chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not too intense, but, um, but then other days, yeah, i want to move to a peak pose and, you know, let's do king pigeon. And so,
1: So king pigeon for those of you who don't know is um, so pigeon posture would be your right knee is behind your right wrist your right foot is somewhere behind your uh, left wrist your left leg is long and straight behind you and in this case your body would be upright Mm -hmm. king pigeon variation is the same setup for your legs Um, maybe you're hugging more to the midline of your body and then you bend your left leg at the knee and then reach overhead and grab your foot with both hands
2: yeah and eventually Touch your head to your foot and your foot to your head.
1: Really eventually. Uh,
2: yes. Really eventually, yeah. Um, often with the help of a strap. But yeah, in those cases where I'm if you're building to a peak pose, often you'll have your your movements and the other postures built in to support that. You know, we want to open up yeah. shoulders, we wanna open up hips, we want to do some stretching through your quads and we'll do lunges where you're reaching back to, to grab your foot. We'll
1: maybe a crescent lunge or back. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, maybe doing some bow heart opening back bending postures camel dancer yeah so, yeah
1: so basically you're taking that what we call peak pose and you're saying hey these are the things you need in your body to make it happen and then we're picking this out well, one or two at a time mm-hmm. and and placing other postures that do that leading up yeah to
2: similar shapes with um different relationships sometimes to gravity that kind of help like you know, if you're in a lunge and reaching back for your foot, that's probably a little kinder on your one hip than if you're, you know, in pigeon already. Mm -hmm. Um, doing something with shoulder openings where you're not, you know, your legs aren't all contorted into king pigeon already and you're opening through your shoulders, you know, you take those same movements, those same openings, those same stretches in different formats to kind of warm yourself up build yourself up or that peak pose then
1: exactly and I know I've taken your class before and you did a class where you taught us um, bow pose bow pulling pose and then you taught us camel and then you taught us wheel and you (laughs) pointed out that these are the same shapes in your body just with a different relationship with gravity
2: it's one of my favorite things actually about those three postures Mm -hmm. is that they are all intense front side opening postures Mm -hmm. And in all of them, you are reaching back to touch your feet mm-hmm. in some way, and it's all different relationships with gravity, and I find that fascinating.
1: Right, and just how the, sh- the posture changes in your body mm-hmm. and the different things you need to do to achieve it, um, but different, but the same at the same time.
2: Yeah, so like bow, you'll be using more strength. Mm-hmm. In camel, you might get more opening because gravity's helping you, mm-hmm. and then in wheel. That's would be kind of the peak of those three, I personally think, because you're going against gravity and having to body. use that same strength that you already worked at um, to get you all the way up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's a really interesting um, way to approach it is um, before those postures, you will... Always see warrior postures in a vinyasa class. Mm-hmm. You'll have warrior two, which is um, your front leg is bent and your toes point towards the top of your mat. Your back leg is straight and your toes point towards the side of your mat. You'll have warrior one, um, which is your your hips are supposed to be neutral and you <laughs> to the front of your mat. Um, yeah. Your front toes are pointing towards the side of your mat. Your back toes are pointing. To the top corner, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. So be hips more square to the front, and yeah. front knee still bent. Um, and usually it's it's a bit of a shorter stance to for Warrior two to war or from Warrior one to Warrior two
1: for most bodies. I think for hit, most bodies, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and while they don't seem like they are preparing you for the posture, the um, engagement those require in your quads and your hips and your core mm-hmm. really do start to set you up. As different as Warrior two looks from Wheel, I don't think I could do Wheel without doing Warrior two first. Yeah,
2: yeah. strong strengthening through the legs and quads, pressing down and lifting and.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and if you're ever curious about why one posture helps with another when they don't seem like they do, please ask your teacher because we get really excited talking about this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's your chance to geek out. No kidding. Do you have any questions along those lines, Stephen? We could be geeks right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So can um, pretty much anything be like a peak pose?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could make mountain pose a peak pose, really. Really, you could.
2: uh, Or shavasta. (laughs) <laughs>
1: or should, I mean, sure. Why not? It,
2: honestly, I think people don't give those two postures enough credit for being challenging in their own ways. And i integral. In my training, I remember one of the instructors talked about how they had to hold Tadasana, mountain pose. You're just standing there for like 20 minutes. Oof. And you just
1: did a short on Tadasana. So listen someone, to that. So i
2: so thinking about <laughs> like focusing on your alignment and your core is still engaged you're trying to keep your chin parallel to the floor the back of your head sort of back and up and shoulders over your hips and rooting down through your feet evenly if you actually go through all the tiny little nuances of just standing in tadasana and doing that and focusing on that for 20 minutes yeah that'd be a peak
0: pose it's going to take a lot of mental discipline because yeah uh, like over time there's going to be a lot of stuff happening in the body and like small little muscles are going to start well she talked about
2: how much she was sweating at the end of it all (laughs) yeah
0: yeah and and let's just spitball
1: so if we wanted to do a class where tadasana was a peak pose what would you put in the class before that and 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 sort of how would you cue through the postures definitely
0: want
2: to break down um let's not go
0: crazy here let's not do a 20 minute no 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 no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) but even just holding tadasana for a little time like i've I've, you know every so often i like to hold it a little bit longer and see who actually holds tadasana
1: and makes adjustments
2: you know and actually holds it as a posture versus oh i've come to standing i'm gonna fidget I'm going to fix my hair. So, like me.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just going to stand there and drink some water. <laughs> yeah. Wipe the sweat off my brow. Yeah.
2: You, like, <laughs> without even taking, like, at least a breath there. Yeah, um, but
1: you can even talk about something like Warrior Two. Looks drastically different from Tadasana. Mm-hmm. But in Warrior Two, you could say, make your shoulders directly over your yep. hips. Press your belly button into your spine, lengthen your tailbone down, and find a neutral, flat spine. Like, mm-hmm. that prepares you to do Tadasana properly.
2: Yeah, That's absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, you can break it down little things, just even like doing a seated posture where you're really focusing on shoulders over your hips and lifting the crown of your head up and bringing your head back and making sure your chin is parallel towards the floor. I mean, not like up or down or tucked and you can break it down. Or maybe
1: chair pose <laughs> and uh, talking about the feet yes. and, and how you are rooting down into the mat. Yeah. So I think that could be an interesting class. could be an actually, interesting class. And I yeah. kind of want to do it now. There you go. <laughs>
0: do you have any favorite ones that you like to do to make your uh, peak
2: pose? Uh, I'm a big fan of splits mm. and every so often deciding to throw in, like, basically like a king pigeon variation in your splits where you bend your back leg up and try and, but your front leg still extended straight. Yeah, why not? tasty (laughs) so
1: let's bring it back a little bit and I think we've already sort of implied it but for instance in a yin practice you would take a yin class if you're looking to lengthen the muscles get into the fascia uh, calm the nervous system Um, for the same uh, sort of question for vinyasa if you're what are you looking to get out of a vinyasa practice so if you want something specific from your class what is it that you're gonna get from vinyasa (laughs)
2: i think a a full body strengthening like a little more intensity um than maybe a you know maybe a bikram or a a hatha class in terms of upper body strengthening Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. with the sun salutations and with the those flows and you know high to low plank high you know to chaturanga and you'll work more with your upper body and i think that that's a nice thing to be able to to do i i always come back to the breath work um <laughs> like the breathing and because it was such a huge sort of like light bulb moment for me after taking vinyasa about actually hearing breathing cues in other classes um although my first vinyasa class was a real interesting experience um but uh and I often do talk about it when I'm teaching for especially for new people like don't worry if you're confused it's it's fine <laughs> I've been there um Yeah, yeah, I think you go to vinyasa to move more. Mm -hmm. If you're wanting something that moves a little more, moves a little faster than some of your other yoga practices. Um, If you're thinking about a little more strengthening, and even if it's not necessarily going to be like a power class, you'll still get the opportunity with the sun salutations and the strong standing postures and the moving through things and then yeah breath work
1: i I think i just invented a phrase in my head and i want to say if you want passive strengthening you should come to vinyasa because let's talk about coming from high plank and lowering into chaturanga that feels like it's all about the arms and the shoulders but you're also going to strengthen your feet and and your ankles and And your 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 thighs exactly and so a lot of because you're moving and because you need to engage your bandhas you need to engage a lot of your body as you're moving through postures um you're going to be strengthening your whole body at the same time without even thinking about it
2: for sure yeah. passive strengthening yeah like unconscious it. strengthening yeah. yeah yeah sure
0: Sure. yeah because with uh, myself now doing the chaturangas properly <laughs> <you> know, not, <laughs> not throwing in that extra push-up after the um what was it up dog and then yeah so up dog do an extra push-up mm-hmm. into downward dog just going from, from up dog, you, in, engaging my core into down dog, I really feel that now. And that's something yeah. that I hadn't been doing for almost six years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always new things to take from your practice, friends. Yeah, <laughs> even if it's been a really, you know, you've been practicing for years. Yeah, there's always something new.
0: Yeah, and imagine what, how strong my core would be if I had just listened <laughs> from day one.
1: <laughs> i think your core is probably pretty strong already Stephen, just to be clear
2: <laughs> yeah if you do enough classes where we like to throw in you know here's a boat and go low boat and high boat and low boat and high boat and low boat and high boat and, boat and low boat and then hold the low boat there will be no boats on july friends <laughs> not a single one
0: <laughs> so vinyasa here in the studio it's um a cooler practice than than the uh, hotter bikram and the, the fusion pyro mm-hmm. classes as well too um is there a kind of like an ideal room temperature that you want to practice this one in
1: well and to be clear vinyasa is still quite warm at our studio you're going to be probably 30
2: probably 30, 30 at least yeah 30? minimum yeah. 30 yeah um i don't know i've found i've i mean i've practiced vinyasa in like air-conditioned rooms and i will still sweat um <laughs> <laughs> You know it, the class can still be like I say, spicy, and you can still definitely generate heat with your breath and and with the cycles and I don't is that know. because
0: um most of the um the heating is coming from internally, yeah, like, uh, like through your breath and through through your activity and your movement absolutely vinyasa, yeah.
2: I think vinyasa will naturally become a at least a warm practice for anyone because you are moving, you're creating heat with your breath, you're creating heat with your movement. So I think it'll naturally be warmer practice, even in a non-heated room.
0: Oh, well, the one we had last night most definitely was, <laughs> a, that was a full class. There was, there yeah. was not yeah. one, one empty spot. Oh, goodness. There, so. well,
1: well, and I practiced that class from home on my driveway outside, and it was 8 p.m., so it was mm-hmm. cooling off, but I was still dripping sweat. Yeah. Yes. So
2: I think, I think even, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's an optimal
1: I wouldn't say optimal, but I will say that I think with the vinyasas, with the ujjayi breath, um, you can make it as hot as you want, even in an air-conditioned room. And I know during lockdowns and stuff, I had that experience. I was dripping sweat, and, and I was at home with no heat. Um, I do think that the heat adds... Um, a little bit of a difficulty element, and you will often find power classes are more heated than non-power, because the hotter it is, the more relaxed your muscles are, uh, and on the flip side of that is the more muscle engagement you need to do the postures properly. Mm -hmm. So I think you can practice in a cooler room or a hot room. It doesn't make a ton of difference. Uh, It just might mean that you Take fewer or more chaturangas as necessary for your practice that day.
0: So we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, We've touched on a lot of things. And (laughs) as always, there could be a lot more that we could talk about. So we'll probably engage with Sarah on this one again and I just want to say and still champion here 360 <laughs> podcast guest she defended her belt very well very valiantly tonight so thank you for joining us Sarah. you're
2: Thanks very so welcome much. thank yeah. you for having me
0: I just want to say that Karen and I are sharing a microphone again so if there was any audio inconsistencies that would be why so hit Candace up and let her know that we need another microphone
1: <laughs> yeah and if there are any um if there's anything in this episode that you'd like us to dive deeper into like do you want a whole episode about warrior two because i can talk for an hour about warrior two yeah um or if there's another topic you would like to hear hit us up let anyone at the studio know and we will make that happen for you
0: on every episode on spotify you can scroll down and there will be sections there where you can ask us anything as well so thanks again sarah
1: you're very welcome thank you and have a great night everyone